Let's, let's ask the Lord's blessing. Dear Lord, we're very grateful for your guidance for us, that's both in our, your spirit and in your word. We'd ask that you would tie them together and lead us into righteousness, such a way that people would be eager to know what it is we believe. In your son's name, amen. amen. I was uh, having a moment with my grandson last night. Now, this is one of those situations pastors do in big cities with big churches. They always make a pop culture reference, you know, to draw people in. Well, you guys are past that, and I, my, my reference is going to be way back out of your pop culture. He was sitting on my lap. I was playing songs for him on his mother, grandmother's tablet through a Bose speaker. I mean, how many, I mean, there's a lot of references there. Tablet, Bose speaker. But I was playing things um, uh, from a different era, we'll just say. And uh, at one point, you know, he was saying, I was, I was playing some ZZ Top for him, and, but he kept saying, I want the funk. This child is two. I want the funk. So I went, oh, got some James Brown, I got some Morris Day and the Time. Uh, you know, they, he got the funk. Uh, his grandmother swept in, he was trying to keep his eyes open, and, and um, so grandma came in and haul, hauled him off to bed. So I was a free citizen at that point. No one in the library, I'll play some songs I like. And uh, played some Long John Baldry. I played, uh, you've never heard of Long John Baldry. Um, and so I, I always liked, um, I don't know what year this was, the 80s sometime, I imagine. Uh, the Arrhythmics, uh, Would I Lie to You? You ever heard a great song? Annie Lennox. You say, this is not a pop culture reference, Evan. The Arrhythmics, for heaven's sakes. Well, what's the benefit to this sermon is nothing other than the phrase, would I lie to you? And I shut the song off, sitting there with my cigar, and uh, alone, my wife hadn't returned from um, deep-sixing the kids, and uh, <coughs> having uh, nothing to do, I looked at there was my Bible sitting over there, and the phrase, would I lie to you, came to my mind. I said, you know, I never actually preach sermons about not doing obvious things that Christians aren't supposed to do. Like lying. So suddenly the topic of lying, because of the song, came to my mind. So I, I, got, I got to open the Bible, actually. I didn't just say, well, that would be nice to work on tomorrow morning. So I, I started putting together a bunch of passages because I wanted people to have a different relationship to their view of lying than they have heretofore. When people are law-oriented, they just need to know it's wrong to lie. Don't tell a lie. And then you start having little fudge arguments like, well, how about a white lie? How about if, you know, something happens and you need to lie? 
People think about lying as just, well, God doesn't like you telling things that aren't true. Telling things that aren't true actually might have a reason to, for being wrong. Now this passage here, John 8, here on the left hand, right hand side, one of my favorites, because I'm going I'm to spoil it here. Right at the top, Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, jump down to the bottom of the page. So they took up stones to throw at him. Same group of people. Within, looks like four paragraphs. Just a conversation. Just having coffee with my friends, people that believe. People that, yeah, we like Jesus. Let's go have a, a seminar with him. Walking down the road, talking about deeper things. We believe in him. By the end of it, they are so spitting mad, they try to kill him. So it's been a favorite of mine, because I find myself in this situation often. Someone wants me dead by the end of the conversation. Now, I'm not spoiling you know, what happens in the past. It's a wonderful section of Christ's declarations. But what's key in this is something when I, I want to uh, sort of build this idea off of. Jesus then said to the Jews who had believed in him, If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples. And you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. I want you to remember that. You will know the truth, and it's the truth that will make you free. They answered him, we are descendants of Abraham and have never been in bondage to anyone. How is it that you say, you will be made free? Already, he stepped on a few, just claiming that the truth will make you free. They already took some umbrage. Jesus answered them, truly, truly. Now these are things that we so familiar with. We know that passage. You will know the truth and truth will make you free. I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus always saying truly, truly. Some translations say verily, verily. It's basically definitely. This is the real deal. This is what's true. Jesus is about, in his ministry, about announcing a truth that whatever you think of it, it's not an easy truth to, to, to minister to people. It's not an easy truth to sustain. It's not an easy truth to necessarily prove on all functions. But he's declaring it as truth. And you have, he wants you to make a decision when you declare something as true, whether or not you're going to believe it as true, or you're going to believe something else. Because everything in this world, every story, every claim, is either the truth or a lie. And I want you to think about the, you might say, the realm of truth and falsehood. The realm of tr uh, what truth does in this world and what lying does in this world. Because in that discussion that you have when somebody says, I think lying is always wrong. And you say, what about Corey Ten Boom talking to the Nazis? And I don't know how often you have Nazis over socially. And how, you know, it's always the wife has just hidden some Jews in the basement. And you invited some Nazis over. 
and they're going to be going, oh, where are the, you have any Jews here? Oh my gosh, I'm faced with a, a moral conundrum. Is it okay for me to lie? You will never be asked this question by a Nazi. You are not Corey Ten Boom. I don't even, yeah, I don't even think socialists would ask you this question. Whatever the case, I don't care what you come up with, it will never, ever happen. Now, I want you to set that tendency. You've heard me say before, in a lot of moral instructions of our Lord, our Lord says, this is the way it is. And we go, well, what if this happens? What if the Nazis, what if ninjas come and attack me? Can I hit them back? There's always some sort of storyline you come up with that you're all about not doing what the Lord says. Okay? First off, be aware that I'm on to you. If you come up with some situation where you don't have to do, instead of planning to run your life in all the circumstances where you do get to obey the Lord. Somebody says, turn the other cheek. You don't say, well, what if he shoved my wife? You say, boy, I can think about 300 ways and circumstances in which I could obey this. So I want you to realize that that tendency I know is there. Now, this is my comment about that's not going to change it. But I want you to at least hold off on using it until you've changed your mind about the nature of truth. Because when we, when we want to make room for lying, when we want to make room for lying, we don't value, in some way, truth adequately. We just think it's a slight rule that in certain circumstances can be set aside as a slight rule. I don't have to always tell the truth because a white lie has got all sorts of excuses and Nazis are everywhere. So wait till you change your mind about truth before you change or make yourself exceptions about lying. Truly, truly, I say to you, everyone who commits sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not continue in the house forever. The son continues forever. So if the son makes you free, you will be free indeed. Now you know what he's talking about there, right? You're a Christian. And he's talking to Jews who believed in him. And they're getting their, their ethnic backup about this. We've never been a slave to anybody. He says, I haven't set you free yet. I know that you are descendants of Abraham, yet you seek to kill me. What? Where did that come from? Oh, he knows the hearts of men. Because my word finds no place in you. A lot of our actions, politically, philosophically, theologically, uh, personal relationships, words, the true thing doesn't find a place in you for a reason. All right? I want you to bear that in mind. The true thing does not find a place in you for a reason. I speak of what I have seen with my father. You do what you've heard from your father. Oh, that's ominous. We have different fathers. 
They answered him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do what Abraham did. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. This is not what Abraham did. You do what your father did. They said to him, we're not born of fornication. We have one father, even God. That may have been a slight about the rumored parentage of Jesus Christ. You know, Mary wasn't married to Joseph. You know, wasn't Joseph's kid. They might say, you know, this conversation has gone sideways really quick. Jesus is participating it, driving it sideways, saying, you try to kill me twice to them, denied that Abraham was their father, that they have another father, and he hasn't told them who that is yet, and so they have to yell, bastard, at him. And Russ raised the stakes. We have one father, God. He said... If God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded and came forth from God. I came not of my own accord, but he sent me. Why do you not understand what I say? It is because you cannot bear to hear my word. Now, I don't know if you're following this, but here's a conversation with Jews where Jesus Christ is saying he has come down from heaven. That God sent him, not as a prophet, You are of your father, the devil. Just in case the fighting words haven't gotten fighty enough. And your will is to do your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and has nothing to do with the truth. Because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks according to his own nature. For he is a liar and the father of lies. But because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. Wow. The devil is a liar and the father of lies. He lives according, and we live according to our fatherhood, either of God in the truth or of the devil in lies. So first off, when you look at those excuse makings and those Nazis that are regularly coming over to your house and you have to choose what you're going to say, say something to, consider parentage. Consider who your parent are, parents are. Because you have, and you have to say, well, how is the... Because we're going to make excuses. You're going to have to say, well, how is the devil the father of lies? Is he just breaking the rule that no matter what, if you say, that's a nice, lovely yellow flower, he says, no, it's red, even though it's yellow. Does he have to tell a lie? Is it that kind of compulsion? No. When we're of our father the devil, verse 44, your will is to do your father's desires. Lying is just the white cap on the wave. It's just the speech this kind of heart gives. Because the speech, the devil's, and yours, when you want to lie. Think of when you want to lie. Last time you lied. I hope it's been a while, so I'll give you a moment. But why'd you lie? Because the truth would not have worked out for you. Especially it's fun to watch in smaller people. 
shorter people, children, who are deciding in their own world what to do with life, and something has happened that they can't imagine how the truth could end up good for them. So mom and dad have to hear some adjustment which will hopefully involve their little brother. That he will somehow be made guilty. I can remember Michael, I don't know how old she was, lying to me about pine cones, of all things. You know, picking up pine cones under the tree. She was probably, you know, first grade, second grade, or something like that. We'd pay the kids, you know, a penny, a pine cone, or something to make money. And uh, I don't know what the lie was about, but she, I remember her looking me in the eye and telling me what I knew wasn't true. She didn't understand how brilliant I was. I could, I could see that the bucket was empty. She had not done anything. And she had claimed to be picking up pine cones for like hundreds of pine cones. And she wanted to collect. She got a spanking. She was sort of like, I was, must be a magician. How did I know? Why do, why do we lie? It's not because we like denying the true thing. The denial of a true thing it has no gain in it, it has no joy in it. What, why would you do such a thing? You lie because your father and you have desires that you're trying to support by falsehood. Now over on the... I have this little comment here on the left-hand side that we sometimes say, lies are bad, don't tell them. <laughs> The real the phrase is, you are bad, quit talking. That's what you need to stop. Because the lie, the lie is just the voice of your badness. It is you designing a world that requires falsehood for your desires to be met, maintained, encouraged, continue to be a benefit to you and not a benefit to anyone else. Isaiah 28. Verse 14, therefore hear the word of the Lord, you scoffers who rule this people in Jerusalem, because you have said, we have made a covenant with death, and with Sheol we have an agreement. When the overwhelming scourge passes through, it will not come to us, for we have made lies our refuge, and in falsehood we have taken shelter. Now that's the, that's the nature of man and lying. Truth, what's it do? It sets you free. Truth introduces, oh, you may be dead. Someone might kill you for the truth. Oh, yeah, that's not a problem. But it makes you free. Lying is the support for a world that you're designing. Remember how we've talked before about how we all have narratives, stories we're writing about what's going on, what's going to happen, how I'm going to be the hero. And people are all going to have one. They're not going to think I'm a hero if they know the truth. Right? You ever lied for your own reputation? You politicians do it all the time. Right? They can't believe what they... what kind of trouble they would be in if they told the truth. So they look at the camera and say, I did not. And they wag their finger at you. We lie... Because we have a refuge in it. We take shelter in it. 
we tell the truth to be free. You never have to keep track. Somebody said this wisely. I don't know if it's Abraham Lincoln or Bill Gates. I don't know who said this. But if you, oh, if you tell the truth, you don't have to keep track of your story. Because when you're lying, you're making up a fanciful world in which these truths are not self-evident, can't be found out by a historian. You have to suggest them to people, untrue things. And truth starts to become our enemy. It is for the Jews who believed in Christ. He tells them the truth and they don't believe him. Because their belief in Christ still had a world where certain lies had to be told to them. Certain lies had to be represented by them. Verse 46, which of you convicts me of sin? I tell, if I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? says in 45, because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. If I tell the truth, why do you not believe me? Good question. Have you ever had a problem taking on somebody else's ear in a discussion? You have a difference. Again, it could be any subject matter. And the problem is not that what they said was false. You don't disagree with it because it's false. You disagree with them because they're not you. You would have to change to meet the truth. Lies are really handy. They get let you be exactly what you want to be. Yeah, that's the ticket. Everybody will like me if I tell them I'm, a, I'm an astronaut who landed on the moon. Well, wouldn't that be great? What if you knew that your pastor, every Sunday he slowly dropped, well, you know, when I was on the moon that one time, slowly got you to believe, 50 people later, that the pastor had actually been one of the astronauts back in the way, you know, way back, landed on the moon. Turns out I was lying just to sound important. Who told stories? Haven't we? What, that, you know, everyone knows that you give an anecdote, a war story, a sea story, whatever it is. There's going to be a certain oomph you give it because you know you're going to create laughter track and qualities of humor and self-deprecating. But sometimes we tell stories that aren't true because we want to be someone and if we want to be someone that we design, that is exactly what the devil is about. He didn't want the story God designed. He had to rebel against God. He had to try to create a different narrative. And lying is the only way to create that narrative. In Romans 1, here on the Left-hand side, Romans 1, 24. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. 
On one hand, uh, Paul's going, blessed forever, amen, the truth, the God, the righteous, the good, the holy. And everybody bowing down to a block of stone somewhere in the world has walked away from that, that what they knew about God, they did not honor as God or give him thanks. They had to, in order to get the world they wanted, they had to bow down to a ridiculous carving out of a piece of stone and proceed to divine stories about these gods. Because they wanted their desires met. It's because we're bad. And we need to have a storyline that supports how bad you are. You've heard about, you currently everybody's talking about fake news. You know, stories that are just made up to pr produce a certain political agenda. We used to call it propaganda, yellow journalism, whatever you want to call it. It's lying. Because everybody who is lying, who wants to release a news story that isn't quite honest, isn't quite true, does, you know, that the first story goes out in your retraction that maintains your integrity as a journalist, it won't ever be seen, so you get all the benefit of the lie and you could still have plausible deniability about the fact that you wanted to lie because you retracted it. People are about this. People are trying to create a world where they could say whatever they want that builds up the kind of world they want. They don't want people saying, you know, people getting kicked off of Twitter or various other platforms because they said, men and women are distinct or what they are physically. That is not actually a allowed concept anymore. The lie has to be, you know, told and you have to not let anyone tell the truth. They won't let you tell the truth. This is across the board. Social theory, political theory, religious thought, because we want to do and live our own way. So if you say, fatherhood, who am I like? What's he up to? What am I representing? What does the truth do? If I say, I'm being moved by this desire to lie, it might look like I have a I have integrity, you know. Well, I didn't want, you know, reading The Hiding Place, I didn't want Cory Ten Boom to die. And the Jews would die if we told the truth. Maybe living is just your title for having stuff you want, having joys you want. Would you rather be alive and no honor, or dead with honor. Realize if I have to falsify the universe to protect something, I care about that something probably too much. The Jews answered him, verse 48, are we not right in saying that you are a Samaritan and have a demon? I mean, this is, is name-calling at this point. He says, you need to be set free. They said, no, we don't. 
I know who your father is. No, you don't. It's the devil. Oh, man. We're not bastards. Matter of fact, I think you're a Samaritan and you're demon-possessed. This is like your five-year-old child kind of argument. Jews answered him, oh, excuse me, Jesus answered, I have not a demon, but I honor my father, and you dishonor me. Yet I do not seek my own glory. There is one who seeks it, and he will be the judge. Truly, truly, I say to you, if anyone keeps my word, he will never see death. Remember what he said back at the beginning? The truth will make you free. The truth will make you alive. Permanently. I become students, advocates for truth. Now this is not the sort of truth that says, you know, everything that is true I'm going to announce. Which says, uh, someone walks into church at the back, that's just an awful dress. Well, that's the truth, right? I didn't actually say that about anybody here. It's on the tape. I want people to know around the nation I'm not insulting people. But you don't want to have truth all the time because, but I also want to watch out by telling someone who's wearing an awful dress that it's a wonderful one. It's just lovely. Why am I lying? I don't have to say anything. I didn't have to say the truth. Why did I have to say the lie? I'm building a thing for me. I'm building my reputation up. I want to be accepted. I want them to think that I'm nice. You women know that you lie all the time in compliments, but you never say the truth. I didn't say you have to say the truth. You just don't say lies because we depend on truth. This world, for it to run the way, for me to run, live in it the way God wants me, I have to have the truth. It's what's making me free. It's going to make me alive. I have to believe that which is right. It says in Ephesians 4.25, it's on the left side, Therefore, putting away falsehood, let everyone speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. We are members one of another. We want, we're trying to float the narrative that God has written for his people, not the float the narrative of each one of us supporting our own urges. That's how so much, well, as it says, from whence comes wars and fightings among you, is it not your passions that wage war in your members? Because all of our voices, all of our actions are us supporting what we want to have be true. Or we want to gain. So I, if I have to lie to get it, I have to lie to get it. We should not in the church be those kind of people. We are members of one another. It says in Colossians 3.9, right under it, Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old nature with its practices. And have put on the new nature, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. We are being remade into a new narrative, a new uh, set of claims. And my knowledge of the set of claims of my Lord removes the need for me to lie. Only if I'm living like the world. Because the world and the devil and all those things combined are trying to serve each of your, individually, your passions. What you want to have turn out for you. 
We always lie to avoid the effect of that. Do you have a commitment? That last part of the Colossians passage. Do you have a commitment to the knowledge after the image of your creator? Do you want to know what's true? That when you read through what Christ is saying, saying, he is saying some very important things. He is making some crisis-level claims about who he is. Says it in the next stop, a portion. Now we know you have a demon. Abraham died, as did the prophets. And you say, if anyone keeps my word, he will never taste death. The Jews knew what he was getting at. He was claiming something. I've come down from heaven. You will never taste death. Are you greater than our father Abraham who died? And the prophets died. Who do you claim to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my Father who glorifies me, of whom you say that he is your God. My Father is the guy you call God. But you have not known him. I know him. If I said I do not know him, I should be a liar. I mean, he's drawing this line right through the middle of this passage. Again, there's a lot of other wonderful things in the passage. But he's drawing a line right through the middle going, truth, falsehood. Devil, liar, God, truth. You don't even, in your claim to have believed, to be followers of God, you're a liar. If I said I didn't know him, I would be lying. Like you. It was kind of... But I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced that he was to see my day. He saw it and was glad. The Jews then said to him, You are not yet 50 years old, and have you seen Abraham? For those of you who are not good with biblical chronology, Abraham is approximately 1875 B.C. Jesus is, of course, you know, around 30 A.D. So we're looking at, you know, maybe 1900 years. The distance between you and Jesus, basically. And they, and they, they did the math real quick in their head. They said, you're not 50 yet. And uh, we know when Abraham was. How could you claim to see that Abraham will rejoice to see my day? And this is where it gets ugly. Jesus said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Even in English, even if you take the name of God out of that, the I am. The Jews understood that he wasn't taking the name of God out of that. But even if you did, you'd be going, what? what where's the, your time reference is not right in that I am. He was making a claim. He's making a claim to have come down from heaven. He is making a claim to have God as his father. God the Father sent him. That his words are your truth. His words will set you free. His words will grant you life. He keeps it because he keeps God's word. This is the nature of the creator's design of the universe. And he is a follower of that. And a matter of fact, I'm God. Are you willing because to the degree you do not accept, you do not believe in Jesus Christ, are we the kind of Christians that will take the Jesus that has been sufficiently lied about 
in Christian history that we can accept it because he doesn't interfere with our lives so much. This is the God that will interfere in your life. Because you're going to be at the same position that they were. So they took up stones to throw at him. Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple. Now, I always like to think that it was like he waved his hand and like Dr. Strange, they couldn't see him anymore. Or you could see a bloom broom closet in the temple. Even Jesus crouched down behind a big urn. It seems a little as disturbing as a vision. But he hid himself because they wanted to kill him. Chapter 8 in John. It gets underway fast. So what do we do about our what, what, what do we do about this viewing our life and our connection to the truth and what it means because we stand before God's design of the world, God's desire for the world in truth. In falsehood you stand for your own. Whatever you, oh, you might think you're lying for somebody else. Oh, I was wanted to protect my kids. There's always a reason, isn't there? There's always a desire that is earthly that you try to, you know, rebuild with a falsehood. And you're denying in the falsehood, you're denying in the falsehood other people's, because it's communication, other people's access to the truth. If you are a good liar, and I've met some good ones, a good liar can destroy the information Oh, just the other day, I was talking with an old Christian friend, and he had been counseling somebody who I had heard about the problem from another angle, from another source. I recognized, no names were mentioned, I recognized who he was talking about, and it was an entirely different story. Now you could argue, one of us was being lied to, at least, or if not both. Entirely different story. Well, how is the church supposed to function? How are this old friend of mine, who's a dear brother, working for the good of the saints, someone's lying to him or someone's lying to me. What are we going to do? We start to realize that lying is not just a forbidden false statement. All the places where this happens, gossip, you care about the truth. You realize the value of being free and living forever and living in such a way that you honor that which is true. Gossip has really, you know, gets at least sliced up a bit because how much of it isn't true? We have to realize at the end of this, and this is, you know, basically what I'm getting at. Uh, in the main is that lying and truth are ultimate questions of parenthood ultimate questions of which life description you're trying to describe because this one it says the knowledge after the image of its creator which is nice when you're thinking about the truth and Christ and God himself but it's also true um, for lying it is the image of its creator. You are drawing a world based on your desires. 
God is drawing a world based on his desires in truth. And if you're here to serve yours, or you're here to serve his, and you have to understand that not just putting a gag on your mouth because you can't help telling lies, because it's out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaks. That keeps coming up. So much of what we know is wrong for us to do, we could just fix if we changed our heart. Change your heart about how you venerate the truth, what the value of truth is to us all, that you would not want to speak anything but the truth when called upon to speak. Let's thank God. Dear Lord, we're very grateful that what you have in your Son is the truth, that we have heard the truth from him, we'd ask that we would bow the knee to it. Keep us from falsehood. In your Son's name, amen.